Welcome to the second episode of 808s and Hot Takes. It's your boy Rock. I'm here with your boy Rio. What's up, Rio? Hey, D-Rock. How you doing, man? We made it. Episode two didn't get canceled. Still kicking. So I've got a hypothetical to pose to you, and I've been thinking about this a lot. And it's very possible that the Warriors win this series. And it's very possible they're very good next year again, too, which gets us thinking of the last team that won three in a row, the Los Angeles Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. And I want to know, who do you think would win? Who do you think is a better team? We know they came nowhere near 73 wins, so they've definitely got a better regular season record. But it's kind of scary to see what Shaq and his prime would be doing to the Warriors right now. D-Rock, you already know which way I'm going to swing on this one, man. I got to give it to the Lakers, man. I mean, first of all, if you want to take this from a number standpoint, the 99-2000 Lakers actually won 67 games in the regular season. And this was with Shaq averaging 30 and 15. And Kobe, still still a young Kobe, he was still put up 21-4-4. They had a supporting cast. I mean, you know, we they had Ron Harper, they had Robert Ory, they had, you know, these supporting guys. But, you know, especially the way the game was back then, you didn't need... You know, a, you didn't really need a big three. You didn't need like two, you know, platoons that you could swap in and out. But let me just drop some numbers on you real quick with this Lakers team. So 99-2000, they were 15-8 and eight in the playoffs. 2000-2001, uh, they only went 56-26 and 26 in the regular season. But they went 15-1 and one in the playoffs. Their only loss came against the Sixers in the finals. And then they just pummeled them the rest of the series. That was, by the way, this was back when the first round of the NBA playoffs was best of five, not best of seven. That's why it was only 15. But this 00, this 2001 team in the playoffs, Shaq averaged 30 and 15. Kobe averaged 29, 7 and 6. And like these guys didn't need all of these screens and all this motion for them to get the ball. Shaq was shooting 60%. I mean, there's so many big guys that we have nowadays. It's not uncommon for a guy to shoot 60% from the field. Like, you know, but that's like your Steven Adams, who's taking, you know, maybe six shots a game, maybe put, maybe on a good day, 10 points. And he was the MVP and he was shooting 60%. I don't know how you can say that this Warriors team would be a good matchup with this just because they've been shown to get out-rebounded. And do you really think placing like Andrew Bogut or Anderson Vergeau He's going to stop anything with a Shaq in his prime. I just don't see it. He was way, and he was secure with the ball too, but the man just was too physical. And I still don't think, even as much as the game has progressed now, I don't see the Warriors being a great matchup, regardless of how many threes they hit and things like that. Uh, just, I, I got to give it to the Lakers, man. I mean, that was such an impressive run. And my last thing I'm going to say about the three peats is it's not, it doesn't all hinge on skill you know i say being a three-peat team is about 60 percent skill 20 percent health and 20 percent luck i mean staying healthy is the key to all of this you know you like Shaq somehow stayed healthy even though seven footers are supposed to stay healthy you're supposed to have foot injuries and kobe was an athletic kind of ahead of his time wing that was should have ended badly but he stayed healthy as well and i think for the warriors to first win this series it's going to be a test they very well could win the series and then next year, all you have to question is some free agent stuff. Maybe I think Harrison Barnes goes. If he does, it's not a big issue for them. But 
I think there's a lot more involved than just having a good team in being a three-peat team. Yeah, and it's tough to argue against this team because everyone has a special place in their heart for the Los Angeles Lakers of this time. But I will say, they're definitely a star-driven team. No one's worried about Horace Grant. No one's worried <laughs> about Rick Fox. And hey, Rick Fox has you, seven rings, man. If you oh, I'm did, sorry, that's Robert Ory. Never mind. But he was on team too. <laughs> He was on the team coming off the bench. If you did have to pick a player in the modern NBA right now who would be big, like naturally big and strong enough to match up with Shaq, Andrew Bogut would be at the top of that list. Andrew Bogut is a big dude, and he is wide and strong. He's not like like Dwight Howard clearly got in the league and just just ate weights in the gym. Like like Andrew Bogut was born to be that big. And the Warriors uh, are looking like they can prove that they're able to handle these star players. I mean, Kyrie Irving and, and LeBron are very similar to Shaq and Kobe Bryant. And, of course, Shaq or Kobe is going to have that game just like LeBron had where they're going to just will their team to victory. But the Warriors are, have proven over time that they're smart enough to game plan around that. And... What are the Warriors good at? Everyone knows the Splash Brothers. Derek Fisher's not Gordon Steph Curry. Not in this lifetime. Not back then. Not now. Not anytime. I mean, he's a pretty good defender, but it's just not going to happen. And Kobe, I actually think Kobe is probably the most overrated defender in the history of the NBA. Uh, I think Rachel Rondo is. Uh, but, we can, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can see that. We, I, I, I thought this, and I looked it up last night, and I found this article. It, it listed your great players from eras like 05 to 2011, 07 to 11, 2003 to 2009, when Kobe was, you know, at his best. And based on uh, all defensive team selections, you got three guys who really stick out. Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, and Tim Duncan. Now, when you look at, there's three different articles cited for real adjusted plus minus. And I hate citing these because we all know what plus minus is. I don't know where the real adjusted comes through, (laughs) but let's assume it's better than regular (laughs) plus minus. Uh, On all three lists, Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan are either one and two or in the top four. Kobe Bryant is in the bottom three out of like 25 dudes (laughs) on every single time. And every single one, he has a negative 0.6 plus minus, a uh, 0.1 plus minus, and a 0.1 plus minus. So I would argue that the numbers historically say that his all-defensive team selections are vastly overrated. So I really do see a deficit there in guarding Steph and Clay. And everyone knows how the triangle works. It wasn't necessarily the the fastest offense they weren't the showtime lakers and that gives the warriors an opportunity to do what they do best go out there shoot threes splash brothers just splashing around out there (laughs) hitting it from downtown (laughs) hitting it hitting buzzer beaters before the half getting the crowd hype you know and and uh the lakers bench i'm looking at it now robert ori i'm sorry he sucks i don't care how many rings he has he's clutch but he's not a good player brian shaw Tyron Lue, we know uh, Tyron Lue's not that great at game playing from now. He, it was probably even worse back then. Hey, but Ron Harper, you can't give Ron Harper that. Ron Harper had game, man. 
yeah. absolute game. Yeah. Big L reference to him in a song, man. It, it, from from that point, I got to say, you got to give Ron Harper some love, man. The guy's been through it all. I, I agree the bench is pretty weak. It's definitely weak. But, I mean, you got Shaq playing 40 minutes a game. You know, there's not a lot of – you didn't have a need. You didn't have to spend all this money on guys because everybody can pass Shaq the ball. That's that's like a skill that just comes <laughs> with being in the league. Um I just don't get me out there. I'll feed him. I think it would be very interesting to see the Warriors matched up with a like a back to the basket big man base team along with a Kobe. But I mean, you never know. I mean, it's so hard. We can argue these ad nauseum just because the game was so different and like the pace was different. And it was like, you know, the pace of NBA historically has been like a sign curve, man. It's just been up and down, you know, back when the game first started. Teams were getting like 160 possessions a game. It was just like running and running. And the uh, the Larry Bird era Celtics actually played faster than the current Golden State Warriors did. So, wow. So it's uh, it's difficult to judge because the, the era that the Lakers were in was very half-court based. And why wouldn't it be when you had Shaq? But, I mean, people forget when Shaq was young, he could run the floor a little bit. The man, yeah, he could run, and he he still has the highest recorded, uh, like touch basically, like Max Vert touch in NBA history ever recorded. He is a higher one, higher than Dwight Howard. Yeah, twelve foot six, which is absolutely insane. Um, I think the strongest argument is that for the Lakers, despite my pick, is that everyone can agree. Uh, there's more fouls called nowadays, and. People used to just like murder Shaq on the block because <laughs> he was so much bigger than them. So if you give Shaq any more leeway with the refs, it's it's not good news for the other team. But uh, let us know what you think. Email us at 808s Sand Hot Takes, <laughs> aka 808s and Hot Takes, we'll, we'll, uh, at gmail.com. Well, yeah, we'll have we'll have the link in the uh, the episode description amongst other tidbits. Before we move on, I didn't prep you with this, but uh. I read that a seafood restaurant in Boston is offering unlimited crab legs to Kevin Durant if he signs there. What are you willing to do for Kevin Durant if he signs there? Kevin Durant, I will give him unlimited daps for life. I'll follow him <laughs> around, and when he's feeling down, I'll just toss him daps ever he wants. I mean, the it's funny to see they're throwing – Boston's throwing everything at him. There's the free crab legs, and then just today there's a, a ride service app, kind of like Uber – uh, that has no surcharges. It's called Fasten. They offered him free rides for life if he came uh, to Boston. So the the rewards are just piling on. And if you throw in unlimited daps from the co-host of 808s and Hot Takes, whew, man, how could he say <laughs> no? I'm already just guaranteeing he's probably signing on the dot July 1st, man. Yeah, and he'll definitely get a shout-out by uh, the world's most popular podcast, 808s and Hot Takes. <laughs> Uh, so now we got a new segment we're really excited about. It's called 808 Gate. This is the segment where we take the conspiracy theories that are out there, floating around in the minds of the people and on the pages of Wikipedia, and we will conclude, once and for all, for all of humanity, whether or not these conspiracy theories are true or false. And you can rely on us. You can trust us. We're two guys with regular jobs who have access to the internet and can do, you know, maybe a half hour, an hour of research and definitively state once and for all what's true and what's not. 
please be sure to cite us in any of your uh, research papers, any of you that are in graduate school. This would be a great opportunity to to really get yourself out in the open and uh, really set yourself apart. We're we're uh, scholarly sources, so let's let's just get into it, D Rock. I got a hot one for you this week. Let's do it. Let's hear it. So we're gonna start off our 808 gate segment. Today we got the theory. Some of you may have heard of this. Some of you may not. It's relatively new. Dropped about, uh, I'd say, three weeks ago. There's a theory out there that Beyonce is a clone. And I'm going to go ahead and let that simmer for a second while I explain some backstory to you. That's amazing. So what's going around the theory is that as Beyonce rose to fame, which was very quickly and a long time ago, at some point... Her people or the Illuminati, whoever you want to credit to, they saved some of her stem cells in the event that something bad happened to her, full knowing that they'd be able to clone her and still be able to make that money off of her clone. So Smart move. Smart move. So research has shown that she died in 2010 is the theory. And after that, they cloned her. And then she's been just kicking as a clone in the six years since. Now, wow. Now that's a little crazy, right? Or is it? Crazy smart. Let's think about this. All right, we cloning may or may not. I, I mean, they can clone sheep. Why couldn't they clone the most famous pop star on earth? Why would you not? You'd be stupid not to save her stem cells. And if you do a little research, just look at these photos. You can see 2010 to 2016. Beyonce, what she used to look like in 2010 with a very little to no makeup, she looks like that now, but with so much layup, so much makeup. And in the words of Andrew Smith, our good friend, you could build a house on that much foundation that's on her face. Oh, it's a lot of makeup. I'm looking at the photo right now. It's a ton. And uh, you may or may not have seen this. There was a game that her and Jay-Z were at a basketball game, I'm assuming a Nets game. And she's sitting there next to him. He's just watching the game. She's sitting there. This is during like halftime or something going on. And she has this blank stare on her face. She looks like she's been like sick for like a year straight. And she's just kind of slowly rocking back and forth like she just had an exorcism or something. Nothing to her. And the clip goes on for like a couple minutes. And it's like concerning. And I mean, I gotta say, it's it's kind of swaying me, man. I... Through my research and stuff, I I don't know, man. I think uh, this this footage of her at the game really looks like something a clone would do. I gotta say, and I'm looking at this picture con- comparison right now. I mean, the root of her hair goes from the side of her head to the middle of the head, her head to like a middle part. It's completely different. She looks way hotter back in 2010. <laughs> now, now she looks like. Like some sort of machine that, you know, some really intelligent music executive came up with to continue making that money. I, I do I, think it would, you know, it it honestly, it adds up to me, man. I mean, she's making all this money. She's known for having all of these uh, these personas. She had her Sasha Fierce. She had Becky with good hair. There's all of this out there. And you know what? Jay-Z, may, he actually, you know what? I forgive Jay-Z because he didn't cheat on Beyonce. He was just cheating on Beyonce's clone. 
And yeah, that that's not a big deal. That's not even the woman he fell in love with. He can cheat on her as much as he wants. This is just <laughs> some clone created to make money in the music industry. Yeah, this Sasha Fierce thing is making me very skeptical. And, you know, I'm a practical guy. I'm an engineer. I'm a man of science. I'm not just going to be swayed by words on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm looking at proof right now in this photo. If you haven't seen it, just look up Beyonce clone and get a good look at her. Tell us what you think. We can, uh, we, we'll also provide a nice, a quick link in the description as well. But uh, D-Rock, are you, are you at a point here where you think we might be able to put the 808s and hot takes stamp on a decision here? Uh, I mean, I can tell what you're thinking, and I think we are. I'm going to say, lock it in. Beyonce is officially a clone. It's a she twist. died in 2010. This Beyonce you're going to concerts at Heinz Field and cheering for now, she's not the real Beyonce. Someone did a very good job cloning her, but we've all been duped. So just keep that in mind. Next time a hot Beyonce track comes out, it's probably not even her. It's probably just a team of a hundred people in the background just churning out <laughs> hits for this persona that these uh, music corporations have come up with. Hey, you know what? It's confirmed. Beyonce is just an idea, man. She's a clone. She can take on many different forms. You guys heard it here first. Tell your mom. Tell your sister. Better uh, try and scalp those Beyonce tickets that you bought for $200. She's a clone. Case closed. Appreciate your scientific input there, D-Rock. Case closed. I don't want to hear anybody talking about it ever again. We've decided once and for all for the rest of history. It's done. Okay, next. We got another segment. We're coming up with all these new segments this week. Isn't this exciting? Aren't you glad you tuned back into the second episode of 808s and Hot Takes? We got a section inspired by uh, a DJ that I really like called Mind Push-Ups. Hey. Is this... Somehow based on uh, the famous DJ 100 push-ups? That is correct. That's what I was alluding to. Uh, DJ 100 push-ups is definitely a fan of push-ups, and we're a fan of him. So this is like an homage to our favorite DJ and the official DJ of PB PMVBC and the official DJ of Teen Party Radio on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> so... Pete, you want to talk about this? Because I know you work in this industry. Yeah. And you're somewhat of an expert on this. So I'm absolutely an expert. Please quote me on that. Um, so what we're going to be talking about this week, this has been buzzing for a couple years. but I'm an expert. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> Thank you. Cite that one. Um, so this has been in the news. You've probably seen a lot more as of late. We're talking about autonomous vehicles, other known as self-driving cars. So for some of you, you know, you might be excited about it, want to know when you get your hands on it. And we actually lived, and D-Rock does live, in Pittsburgh, which is the hotbed of autonomous vehicle testing, courtesy of Carnegie Mellon University. And a thing that people don't know is the autonomous vehicle technology has been being tested since, like, 2009 is when they began doing this. And the technology is there, and it's like to the point where it's like scary good at what it needs to do in terms of detecting, you know, possible accidents. You know, being able to kind of basically communicate with uh, traffic signals, things of that sort. And obviously, if you've read anything about this, you've known that they have a pretty good rate in terms of 
not being in accidents. Actually, most of the accidents that they've been in have been the result of some other human-driven car hitting, hitting. But my thing is, and you had presented me with a great video, it was a, a TED Talk kind of thing. It was from TED. Uh, we'll have to include this video. It's really, really insightful. Um, is the fact that, for example, if you're in a car, you're surrounded by vehicles on the highway, there's a truck in front of you, and some objects fall off the truck. Say it's a big bale of hay or uh, let's be more dangerous. A bunch of boxes fall off it. And you ha don't have time to brake. So the autonomous vehicle has to decide, do you A, just keep going and hit the thing and not put anyone else in danger? Or do you swerve to hit, you know, another vehicle or, or say there's a motorcycle on your side? And it's all based on choice then because it was programmed to do this rather than if it were human driving where whatever results from that, say you hit a motorcycle or a person in a car, that would just be human instinct, human reaction. Whereas the, uh, the former would be you driving a vehicle that was programmed to hit a person, programmed to hit a car in that situation. And it all pretty much just comes down to choice. And that's what kind of makes it a gray area in terms of, you know, how we can view these autonomous vehicles. I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. Um, and I'm sure you've also been looking into these as well. I, I got a lot of thoughts about this. And this uh, large object coming off the car in front of you will be a great discussion in ethics classes everywhere for decades. But I got to think. I mean, this this is the kind of thing that the program would have to be run by like a, a board of people or possibly approved by the government in some way. And you got to think that process is going to be better than, you know, some guy freaking out and not knowing what to do. <laughs> At least we'll have it like well vetted. And also, I'm very excited about this because at the end of the day, if it's going to be as good as people say, the overall number of collisions is going to go down. There's, we're going to get into scary situations like this thing coming out of the car in front of us. But, I mean, those are bumps in the road that we're going to have to work through. I don't. It, it can just be, like, illegal to have anything with any possibility of coming off the car in front of you. I mean, <laughs> there's, no way, there's no way to ever make that happen. But, I mean, there's measures we can take with multiple locks and things like that. But I, what I'm so excited about is what if you're sitting – in traffic, and instead of the guy at the light going, and then the guy real behind him realizing the guy in front of him went, and then him going, then the third guy doing the same thing for the second guy, and on and on and on. What if just every car at once knew to go? And traffic would just be relieved so fast. Yeah. And, I mean, time after time after time, I think, like, humans are proven to be not the best like operators of machinery and robots can almost always do things better than us. So I think people might get scared by these ethical dilemmas, but I'm extremely excited about it. I um also, I think I'm like half and half on these. I think uh, overall, I think they're great. I'm excited for them as well. Would I personally use a fully autonomous vehicle that's more of just me. I enjoy driving. I enjoy the process of driving. I like going on, you know, like a long road trip and being in control of it. 
And I don't think I would, you know, really need to use that or want to, you know, me being such a curmudgeon already. But I do think, though, you got to think about it this way also. Drunk driving, man. You don't have to worry about, you know, calling yeah. an Uber or getting a taxi or anything or, God forbid, getting in your car and driving home. You could just go out, go to happy hour, actually enjoy happy hour a little bit, have a few, more, have a few more than you should, and you can just hop just in the whip and say, all right, man. Play me some R. Kelly, drive me home, and it'll just take you home, and it'll be a blast. I'm, and I think for that reason, I think it's perfect. And I think if we can have cars that just aren't fully autonomous, where you don't have an option, I think if you have one where you can, you know, use manual when you want, use the autonomous feature when you want, I think that's incredible, and I think it's going to be like completely revolutionary. Obviously, but it's very exciting also in terms of safety and. The fact that, you know, drunk driving incidents will be, you know, essentially, for the most part, eliminated if it gets to the point where it's that ubiquitous. But also, uh, same with texting and driving, all that. It's really going to hurt the texting with driving commercials industry. Um, <laughs> but, dude, the booze industry is going to be booming. So buy your stocks in Miller Coors, Anheuser-Busch. Buy your stocks right now because everyone's going to be drinking all the time. So... I think it's perfect. Going to be a lot of children made, I'm sure, <laughs> as a result of this. But you know what? I think it's exciting. And as someone in the addiction industry, it'd be great. We'd have to do a lot less planning for, you know, little human error and things like that. I'm all for it, man. Send them my way. Shout out Carnegie Mellon. <laughs> you know, I would love to, after going to a happy hour with some friends and getting tanked, do just what you said and call my car up. And act like Timothy Mozgov and bump and grind to some arc. <laughs> <laughs> it comes full circle. And you guys said but, they said we couldn't be witty. Oh man, I I got I got a question for you. Hit me up. What if, say, the technology got good enough where the safety aspects of it are about equal to being a human? And say not everyone on the road. Say say only like thirty percent of cars are self driving. Would you be someone? bold enough to elect to have a self-driving car so you can have these fun escapades at the bar and listening to r kelly bump and grind on the way home i i think it would definitely take a lot of time for me to get used to it um if it's only like a i don't want to be a first mover man i don't want to be one of those first people to have one but for sure but i mean if it comes out there if the you know this if it's proven that you know you're safer in there and whatnot and i can have that stuff drive me home from the bar mode i'd be i, I would still do it if even if you said there's only about 30 percent on the road um i'd still i'd still take my chances with it uh because regardless of how much i like driving the only thing i don't like about driving is having to drive after some drinks that i've done it but i'm saying I think it's uh it's at least one less thing to worry about and I'll take the very very slim chance of getting in an accident getting driven home from the bar rather than either hurting someone or getting a DUI. So you know what? Count me in, D-Rock. Lock that one in, Ooh, baby. Lock it in. Lock it in, just like Beyoncé and her clone self. All facts, man. You know the uh the insurance industry might get screwed over too, which would make me happy <laughs> because <laughs> It's like uh, 
hey, we got this great idea. Everyone's going to put a little bit of money in this pot. And then whenever someone desperately needs it, we'll, you know, surge some of the money your way. And then we'll all be in this happy little community. Except for the fact that if you do anything wrong, we'll just raise your rates ridiculously. And it'll probably outweigh the cost of the repair in the first place. And then so what's the point of this whole system that's required by the government, Pete? Come on. Hey, you know what? All I'm saying, man, we're coming at the insurance industry, man. Shots fired. We're calling you out. Get at us. Oh, man. D-Rock. Ooh, I'm hot right now. I'm hot right <laughs> now. And you know what? I bet you want to know. I bet you want to know what's hot with Peen. Would you Woo! like that? Hey. Yeah. This is my favorite part of the week. Let's go. All right, D-Rock. Let's get it going. Okay. First story. So, money.com reported a study done by um uh, it was done by some uh, personal finance agency tracking about over 50 NBA players for about 6 months and their spending habits and found that the average NBA player spends $42,500 a month that equals about $510,000 a year and my question to you is do you think is that more or less than you would have expected and if you had that type of monthly budget, what, what would you be doing with that 42.5K? Well, I'll tell you what. I know the NBA players are already doing this. They're looking fly. But your boy's going to look flyer. I'm going to spend about $10,000 on clothes a month. <laughs> and I'm going to spend I'm going to spend about 20 grand on champagne at the club. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I love it. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to spend the last investing it in an index fund that's very diversified, very safe, and I'm going to let it grow. <laughs> and I'm not going to touch it for like 40 years and it's going to be a good source of income once my body has, you know, passed me by and I'm no longer in playing shape. And they're ready to clone you. <laughs> um all right, so next hot take we got here so uh fortune.com reported that there is a studio that is about to release the first ever full-length snapchat movie no let me explain this to you no so it's going to be so it's a film it's a horror film called sick house it's shot entirely on snapchat it's like a, a professionally made movie i guess it shot entirely through the 10 second clips and it's a 68 minute horror movie. That's, <laughs> that's 408 Snapchats that you're going to be listening, that you're going to be watching and you can buy it or stream it for $6. My question to you is, am I crazy for thinking that this is so dumb? And like, do you think anyone would watch this? I barely like watching Snapchats that are longer than like 20 seconds. Why would I sit here and watch one? For 68 minutes, I I just think I don't have the attention span for it. I, I love the idea. Like, that's so interesting to me. I hate the Snapchat video quality. Let's yeah. be real. It really sucks. It's called Spade a Spade, D-Rock. Yeah, but I, I got to say, it may have jumped into my list of like at least like the top 10 movies I want to see. This looks like something that I'd want to watch like the first 12 minutes of. And it may be the dumbest thing ever. But I I, I think it's different than your like Sharknado, like horrible movie 
thing. I think someone's trying to be very creative. If if it was done in a good way, maybe like the friends are communicating via Snapchat and you start seeing creepy things in the background yeah. <laughs> or hearing something like behind like you put on like a geotag and it covers like 80% of the screen and someone's face pops up behind <laughs> it at the last second. You're like, what was that? You know, I I hope that they turn. I hope they prove me wrong. Uh, I have been wrong before, contrary to popular belief. But you know what? Best of luck to them. I hope they prove me wrong. But I just don't see well, it right now. Also, I want to say that like the the new idea ness of it appeals to me. But like movie critic Derek, like five minutes in, would be like, "All right, I hate this. <laughs> so done." <laughs> All right, D-Rock, my last one for you here is less of an inquiry, but more of just something I wanted to get out there. Um, so it's from CNN, this report out of France. There were two guys that tried to rob a McDonald's in France with shotguns, and they broke in, shot a few rounds into the ceiling, and stole money from the register, which was about $2,200. <laughs> which McDonald's has twenty two hundred dollars in their register, but anyway, so they they thought they were about to make a clean getaway. Little did they know, inside this McDonald's eating there were eleven members of an anti terrorism squad, all armed, yeah. sitting in there, and they waited until the robbers left, because they didn't want to get anyone else in any line of danger, and then they tackled the one guy and got him. The second guy started running away, and they fired off a few warning shots at him not hitting him the guy turned around and tried to shoot him with his shotgun and they just hit him right in the chest with one um he did not die they're both are in the hospital but they're both getting charged with armed robbery i gotta say this is just wrong place wrong time you almost hit the biggest mcdonald's robbery jackpot ever i don't know what mcdonald's has two hundred dollars in their register but you know what big ups to that anti-terrorism squad good for you guys let's yeah that that's awesome that they were there, right place, right time. And that's really cool that they were able to save the day. But I, I don't I don't blame the thieves for getting caught by, you know, the A-team. Because who could <laughs> expect that? Yeah. But I got I to gotta question why you would commit armed robbery at a McDonald's. <laughs> like, if you're going to break out the shotguns, you got to think a little bigger than that. Especially they're doing warning shots and stuff. Yeah. What are these guys thinking? They were dead serious. You can probably <laughs> rob a McDonald's with like like your finger in your shirt or something. Yep. But that, that makes me even happier that these that these real French patriots were there stopping terrorism and that you know, we got to win here. I I hope these guys go to jail for a long time, especially for firing off shots. Like, come yeah. on, just keep that thing on safety. You're going to scare people at McDonald's that bad just trying to enjoy some McNuggets, a little four-piece for the young Ooh. ones? Come on now. I got to say, um, just a disclaimer to any of the listeners, if you do try and rob a McDonald's with your finger in your in your shirt, like was mentioned, not us. Wasn't us, man. Didn't get it from Didn't us. Didn't hear it here. Tell yeah. them to li give us a listen, but that was not on us, man. Yeah, we don't recommend that. We do recommend you tell people that Beyonce is a clone. Because <laughs> it's just an objective fact at this point. Okay, now for a great segment. We really appreciate everyone helping out here. It's time for fan questions. Woo! I think it went really well last week. I do feel bad that uh, I called out Mr. Trevor last week for not giving me any questions. And actually in our email, I had like 20 questions from him and Tim. <laughs> So sorry about that, Trevor. 
But uh, I'll start off with a question from our boy, Tim, former president of Pitt Men's Volleyball Club. How quickly could you gain 40 pounds and how would you do it? <laughs> you know, I would put it past Tim for a question about weight gaining. Mr. Gallon of whole milk a day himself. Yeah, did not work. Um, all right. I Short answer for this. I would drink a six pack of Guinness at least once every meal, along with just eating my favorite wings, any type of milk. I would throw it all in there. Doesn't matter if you throw it up, it's all in there. It's going to start making you fat. I think I could probably do 40 pounds. If you gave me three weeks, I bet you I could do it. I probably wouldn't live much longer after that. But if it's for the sole purpose of hitting the under, if Tim's saying the over, I'll take three weeks. Get at me, Tim. I I would just just straight donuts and whole milk, chocolate milk nope. every day. Just matter of fact, just drinking Hershey chocolate syrup while I'm at <laughs> it. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think I would. I don't. I don't know, man. I think I would get depressed. <laughs> oh, so there'd be horrible, horrible effects of this. But you would have that shining victory over Tim Cummings. Yeah, I think I'm more in the two month range, Tim. I, you're, to be honest, your story kind of, you know, kind of killed my confidence on this because you tried really hard. Of course, you're trying to gain a different kind of weight, trying to <laughs> get big, get yoked, but still, it might be harder than we think. Okay, song number two, also from Tim because he gave us like 40 oh, of them. Question number two. He said song, song number two. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Leads me into my question. <laughs> what song do you want to hear most on the dance floor at 2 a.m.? For me, this is easy. It's one of two songs. They're both tied. I either want to hear Pop That by Ooh. French Montana, which his verse sucks, so it's more about like Drake and stuff, or Gasolina, which is my jam. It gets the people hype. Oh, baby. Daddy Yankee. Daddy Janky. Oh, I, I like those two picks, D-Rock. I'm a big fan of them. For me, without question, it's got to be Return of the Mac, man. It's all Ooh. day, every day, man. Return of the Mac. I actually went to a at a party I was at at a bar for New Year's Eve. I requested it. The guy had like a list of songs that were ahead of me. And he said, okay, what's your request? I'll write it down. I said, uh, Return of the Mac. He goes, say no more. It's on next. <laughs> for that, I got to say, I'm going with Return of the Mac. You know who often plays Return of the Mac at parties? Whom? DJ 100 Push. DJ 100P. I should have known this one. Ah. Well, you know what? I'm glad to see that great minds think alike. Yeah, I'm still sore from the last DJ 100 push-ups concert, though, so so I can't see him anytime Just soon. Just to clarify, Our he next was question. saying because of doing push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing. He makes everyone do push-ups. Our next question comes from Trevor. I want to know, how did you guys prioritize the other night, Game of Thrones or the finals? Um, and to that question, I mean, it's your boy. We host a podcast that talks about the NBA. I got studies, so I chose the NBA. But I for sure wasn't going to show up to work Monday not knowing what happened on Game of Thrones last night. So I watched it after. Did you happen to watch After the Thrones, Bill Simmons, uh, or part of the Ringers uh, roll out? I've, I've seen every episode, but I haven't watched this week yet. I like to watch it before the next episode, so I'm all caught up. I am going to be a disappointing answer here. I do not watch Game of Thrones. Um <sighs> But I I'm a, I do watch Silicon Valley, so I always catch the last, like, two minutes of every Game of Thrones uh, episode. 
So, uh, but I need to catch up at some point. Um, but yeah, well, I, I watched the finals. Sorry, Trevor. You're going to hate me for this one. Yeah. And I don't want to give away any spoilers, but I mean, it's for people who haven't seen the most recent episode, but I'm very excited. Hit me up on Twitter if you want to talk about it at Derek Dubs. Derek, D E R E K D U B S. Uh, he's back. All right. <laughs> and we're all excited. Uh, this next one comes from Andrew Smith, also mentioned earlier in this podcast. Instead of, instead of finals MVP to a finals LVP, <laughs> for me, unfortunately, it's, it's, uh, Clay Thompson, because I don't want to just pick someone who doesn't get any burn. Jordan McRae or something is that his name? Uh, so Clay Thompson has been so disappointing, and I love Clay Thompson. He's my boy, but that's my answer. Mine, nothing would make me happier than Steph Curry getting LVP, man. Count yeah. Steph Curry gets LVP after being unanimous MVP. That would, I would go ahead and say that was the greatest season of all time. I would be fine giving him that if he gets the LVP. So, Andrew, <laughs> Steph Curry, lock it in. Next comes in from our boy, Brian Pudlow. He wants to know if we are supporters or opposers of the Oxford comma. I love the Oxford comma, dude. Like, if you have a big list and you finish it with and, it looks weird that the first part of the list is inconsistent with the second part. I've seen these, like, stupid pictures on, like, Twitter and stuff. There's, like, the difference when you don't include the Oxford comma. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. But to me, it just, like... It looks so much better. Also, Vampire Weekend. I love that song. One of my favorite songs. And it just makes the Oxford comma that that much better. Even if I didn't like it grammatically, I would have to love it because of that song. Uh, Derek, as someone whose job also involves a ton of proofing and writing, I'm a big Oxford comma advocate. Some would say the biggest yeah. Oxford comma advocate. If you don't like the Oxford comma, man, you can pry it from my cold comma, dead comma hands, man. <laughs> Granted, that's not an example of the Oxford comma, but still, I'm a big, big advocate for it. I think you're dating yourself if you uh, don't use it. And I think it's about the same as using two spaces after a period, man. You're a dinosaur. Move on. <laughs> you're dating yourself. Like, you show your age. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it sounded like you're in a relationship wow. with oneself just for not using the Oxford comma. Uh, yeah, that was that was a really good catch by yourself too, because you definitely would have received some crap. Dude, if you uh, didn't my mentions would have been blowing up, man. <laughs> From all sixty listeners of this podcast. <laughs> okay, next, a staple of the 808s and Hot Takes podcast. It's the top five list. Top five. Last, last week was very successful with the top five animals we'd most want to talk to. I disappointingly didn't have anyone talk to me throughout the week about the blue whale. Did you? Um, I all I heard was just people liked the top five list. I heard no uh, no uh, conjecture from it. Come on, people, hit, hit me up about the blue whale. I want to talk Game of Thrones <laughs> and I want to talk blue whales. Okay, so this week's top five list are, is uh, things that are cool to be good at, but uncool to be really good at. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Number five, I, I, I hate to even put this on here because I love to do it, but it's boogie boarding. Everyone loves to go to the beach and boogie board, but if you're too serious about it, you got like an expensive boogie board or something, maybe you're in a wetsuit. 
it really starts to get pretty weird. I agree. Um, boogie boarding, also known in the surfer community as dick dragging. Um, it's a confirmed <laughs> term. Um, yeah, I think it is. I agree. It, it's right on that spectrum of it's fun. But, man, if you're going to get that serious, be a man and body surf, man. Just get out there and put it on the line. No one, no, you're not going to pick up any chicks bodyboarding or boogie boarding, man. They want to see you body board. Agreed on number five. Stand up and, and hang ten, bro. Come on. Number four. And I know a lot of people who are into these is the Rubik's Cube. You know, you're kind of good at it. Show it off at a party or something. People are like, oh, my God. He must be so intelligent. Start competing in it. <laughs> Start, you know, scheduling time in your day to practice at it. It starts to get And uh, I'm pretty sure a good friend of the show, Tim Cummings, shouting him out. Tim Cummings is excellent at the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> he is by far uh, the most incredible Rubik's Cuber I've ever seen. And uh, I'm sure he's going to be thrilled to see, to see this on the list this week. <laughs> Dylan Stein, also a fan of the Rubik's yes. Cube. Number three is darts. You're at a bar. You're killing it. You might be talking to some girls or something. It's cool. You know, you're in your basement. Late night, getting frustrated, <laughs> just trying to hit that certain segment on the dartboard. Not so cool. Also, I'm going to go out here and say this. I think darts is really overrated. It's just not that fun. All you dart players, hit me up. <laughs> game, game of Thrones, Blue Whales, and darts. Yeah. I don't like darts, okay? I don't like the rules of the stupid games. You can play, like, baseball or something. Find a better sport, man. Go bowling or something. It's like a – or go golfing if you want to just try to perfect something. Darts sucks. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I do enjoy my darts here and there, but not when it's something you have to actually consciously keep track of and things of such. Um, I think it can be fun at far, but you can take it too far where – you know, it's a big uh, yam dryer upper, if you know what I'm saying. Um, it definitely decreases your chances and interest with the ladies if you're just sitting there shooting darts, kind of obsessing over your cricket score and, and whatnot. So I think it's a good thing, but you know what they say about too much of a good thing. Let's keep going, D-Rock. Number two, coming in, the second most uncool thing to be really good at, but cool, but to be kind of good at, cornhole. Everyone loves drinking a beer at a picnic and getting it in that hole <laughs> and scoring three points. But I'm just going to say this right now. If you got that backspin helicopter thing so that it doesn't slide as far on the board, you're, you've played it too much. Okay, <laughs> you're supposed to play cornhole with a drink literally in your other hand. And when you take it too seriously, it just takes everyone out of the mood. It's not cool. Stop doing the helicopter spin thing. Just toss it in there underhand like everyone Couldn't else. Could agree with you more, D-Rock. And just in time for uh, graduation uh, party season. You know what? <laughs> I, I, the, it's going to be – our mentions are going to be blowing up after this list. I think, it's, I think it's great, and I totally agree. And I apologize to the cornhole players out there who listen to this who are going to be at your family member's grad party being like – Am I uncool now? Should I, stop? Should I stop doing this? Should I get less good at cornhole? If you're already that good, just keep doing it. All right? Don't get less good because of us. But number one is a game that's near and dear to a lot of people's hearts out there. It's a game that I'm sure you've been over your friend's house and just shredded it up, you know, played some hot riffs. It's Guitar Hero. Everyone likes to be at the party playing on Expert. 
But uh, when you're playing Jordan by Buckethead, I believe it was, <laughs> the hardest song in the game on Expert, it's basically impossible, and your fingers are sweating because it's so intense, and you're uploading videos to <laughs> YouTube about your your uh, Guitar Hero feats. It's just, it's no longer D-Rock, cool. I have, I have a little known fact for you. You know who's very, very good at Guitar Hero? Yours <laughs> truly is oh! an aficionado at Guitar Hero. I actually won a Guitar Hero contest at a concert when I was in seventh grade. This was right after the game what? came out. I got a perfect score on Boston's More Than a Feeling on Expert. Knocked him dead. Great um, that being Great said, song. although I was very, very, and very good at Guitar Hero, I never took to the point where if we were at a party... I never wanted to go and, you know, play Guitar Hero. I didn't want to, you know what, it's not it's not something you could show off. It's certainly something that makes you look weird. And you know what, if you can actually play the real guitar, you don't need that. It lessens your stock, man. So I, uh, I think it was, I loved hearing that this is the number one on the list. Just so you guys know, we're not out there just attacking y'all. We're attacking ourselves as well. So Guitar Hero... It was my, it was my, uh, it was my baby for a while, but I think it definitely belongs number one on this list. I give it the stamp of approval, D Rock. I, I gotta say, I, I could play songs on Expert, and so I think that's better than most people. I, I could say, I could play like sixty, seventy percent of the songs on Expert on Guitar Hero too. And Guitar Hero really is really fun. What was the best? Or what was the hardest song you um, could play? I think I have to feel bag check. I could play through the fire and the flames. Um. That was a like towards the end. Wait, you could play through the fire. And yeah, the flames. you had to use two hands on the Holy two hands on the. Wow, I was gonna ask you that because I remember that one being. Yeah, um, wow. in my prime, um, but it wasn't something I had broadcasted. I think when you get to the YouTube video, that's when you're that's when you get a little a little too far. Um, so. I had no idea I was in the presence of such a legend. Uh, you know, it's something I like to just a little lesser known fact. It's something I definitely don't broadcast. <laughs> But you hear it, you heard it here. So uh, feel free to hit my mentions. All right, yeah, shout out your Twitter right, again. At Hullabaloo Sound, H-U-L-L-A-B-A-L-O-O Sound. Hit me up. D-E-R-E-K-D-U-B-S. That's my Twitter handle. We'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Hit us up at 808 and hot takes at gmail.com, aka 808 sand hot takes. <laughs> hey, be sure to check the uh, the episode description. We'll have some juicy links from today's podcast in there for you. And appreciate any type of feedback and info we can get from you guys. So thanks again for listening. Stay sexy. Yeah, that's right. Get hype about episode three. Get hype about self-driving cars. Get hype about Game of Thrones. And get hype about And Blue tell Wales. your mom and your friends, Beyonce's a clone. <laughs> <laughs>